You are now listening to the Fat Fix Podcast with David Flowers, a show talking about all things fat loss and health for the general population. Helping people understand why they are in the position they're in right now, rather than just focusing on what they need to do. Your no-nonsense personal trainer friend that you can have access to in your pocket whenever you need some help, guidance or just to kick up the arse. Hello and welcome to the Fat Fix podcast for episode number 22. This week I was joined by Jordan Zayat, who is a strength and nutrition coach from the US. He is also the personal trainer of Gary Vaynerchuk. You've probably come across Jordan on social media. He has a very, very big presence on all platforms, Facebook and Instagram. So I'm pretty sure that you've probably heard of him and seen some of his crazy videos and his content that he puts out. And just like myself, Jordan very much has a no-bullshit approach when it comes down to all aspects of health and fitness. This made for a really good chat. We discussed the ever-so-popular health for every size movement, fad diets, fit spells, and much, much more. So without further ado, this is Jordan Zayat, episode number 22 of the Fat Fix podcast. Hello, Jordan. How's it going? It's going well, dude. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, mate. Thank you ever so much for coming on to the Fat Fix podcast. Of course, man. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All I see is your videos on social media and that, so it's pretty mad that we're actually connecting via here. <laughs> I love that, man. That's my favorite part about social media. You can talk with people all over the world that you never would have met otherwise. Do you want to just give the listeners a little bit of an introduction to who you are, Jordan? I'll give a bit of a rundown before usually I, I start the podcast, but I'm going to leave it entirely up to you to tell the listeners who you are and what you do and everything like that would be great yeah for sure basically I mean I got into the fitness industry when I was really young so I started wrestling at eight years old and and wrestling was was like all I thought about it was wrestling and girls was basically my entire life and then (laughs) and then I I made varsity as a freshman as a wrestler and I had to cut a lot of weight so I would cut from like 112 pounds to 103 pounds and I would do that every week. And basically, as a freshman, I was a skilled wrestler technique-wise and endurance-wise, but I didn't have much strength, especially going against juniors and seniors, kids who were three or four years older than me. So I started having to figure out, okay, how do I lose weight and get stronger at the same time? And I ended up applying to a gym a couple towns over from me just to uh, just to get an internship, just to like learn from them and I was like listen I'll take the trash out I'll clean the floors just let me come and and learn from you and so I got that internship when I was 14 years old and I ended up working at that gym all through high school and that's really what got me into the fitness industry and I was lucky because the people who worked there were incredibly science-based and they were very generous with their time and and they took me under their wing and uh, I didn't spend too much time in the, the pseudoscientific world with the magazines and the, the nonsense, I really dove right into a very science-based, research-driven world. And then from there, I ended up, I went, to, uh, I went to college. I started off with exercise science, but I ended up switching out of exercise science and going into behavioral health psychology because I realized essentially that you could have the perfect workout, you could have the perfect nutrition program, but if someone's not going to follow it, it doesn't matter. And uh, I wanted to understand why people are making the decisions they're making regarding their health. So switched to that, which was a, a, honestly one of the best things I ever did. Um, and from there, I started my online business when I was in college without realizing I was starting a business. So I was basically just writing articles and making YouTube videos, just sort of about what I was learning as a coach. And I didn't even know that a business was possible. I didn't know PayPal existed. I, I was literally just making content to help people. And by the end of, by the time I graduated college, I ended up having a business that could sustain itself. And, um, and that was it. So I ended up, I ended up moving from, from the United States to Israel for a little bit. I lived there for a while. And then about three years ago, I moved from Tel Aviv to New York so I could coach Gary Vaynerchuk. And now I'm still in New York, just doing the online business thing and and coaching Gary a little bit. That's amazing, mate. That's a really impressive kind of CV you've got there and I, I didn't know that you started off in wrestling and that's pretty pretty cool I've just started uh, well about six months ago started jiu-jitsu myself so it's pretty it's pretty cool to kind of to do something brand new and for me that was brand new as well with a background in 
Jiu-Jitsu is amazing, man. I sh- I've been training uh, at Enzo Gracie's in uh, New York the past couple of weeks. I love it. It's amazing. Have you? Yeah, it's, it's, what I love about it, it's just so, you basically, you just get your ego put in place every time you go in. <laughs> yep, it's exa- It's so funny. And the cool thing about any combat sport, but any especially jiu-jitsu and what I've noticed is the best grapplers and, and, and jiu-jitsu fighters in the world, there's not a single look, right? It's not like they're all jacked or ripped or huge. It's like some of them are very small, very skinny, very lanky. Some of them are very big, very very strong and huge others are more like soft and like almost doughy looking like there's not a single look to that type of competitor whereas other sports you tend to have more of a model athlete like sprinters have a certain build marathon runners have a certain build um a lot of times like linemen they'll have a certain build in football uh a lot of like third basemen they tend to have the same build based on their positional requirements but jujitsu there's not a single build and it very much is just so skill dependent and how much time you put into the actual sport rather than necessarily how you're built. It's, it's really, really cool. Yeah. It's really good in terms of an aesthetic standpoint. Everyone's kind of thinking that they need to be a certain size or a certain, have a certain look to actually get the most out of like any type of like health and fitness, whatever that is. So I think jujitsu represents a really good, like you said, a really mixture of people, you know, male, female, all shapes and sizes to do something, which is, to me, it's a hobby that I, I can't see myself not doing it anymore. I've been only started it six, seven months ago. And it, I think more and more people need to kind of find something that they absolutely love so they can drive that adherence with it. And I think that's a good kind of starting point, really, with today's chat what we're going to talk about we're going to talk about absolutely everything and I think it's probably a good place to start with the whole health at every size movement because that's I seen one of your recent posts on that and that's where I wanted to kind of why I got in touch with you to to express what you said on that to my listeners I think a lot of people will get a lot from that and then we can obviously we'll just probably waffle on with lots of things throughout this podcast so let's jump into the the health at every side movement, Jordan, and kind of what you kind of mentioned about it the other day and what is it and and what's kind of the arguments going on in the industry recently. It's very much kind of extreme one side of the other, isn't it? Yeah, you know, that's how the fitness industry seems to work, right? And I think probably most industries industries function on that, like the the pendulum of extremes where everything is either good or good or bad, right or wrong, healthy or unhealthy, fat burning or fat gaining, whatever it is. Like very rarely do we hear people discuss the black and white and and everything that's in the middle, mainly because that's not as marketable. It's not as easy to sell someone on something when you really have to go in depth on the explaining why it depends and it, it changes per individual. It's much easier to sell a product or sell an ideology based on like, this is it. This is the way. This is the only way. And if you don't subscribe to this way, then you're wrong and you're dangerous and you're hurting people. You're hurting yourself. And it's like that's a lot of what the fitness industry thrives on. Um, <clears throat> and that's why I think it's actually important to have these kinds of discussions and, and to put as much of this this objective reasoning, logical discussion that isn't necessarily one sided, but much more understanding of both ways out there as often as possible. So, I mean, the health at every size movement. I think it stems from a very good place. And I'll say that because I'll start with that because what it has become and what it has become misrepresented as is something I very much disagree with. But what it started out as, from what I can tell, is a movement that was basically designed to stop discrimination against people who are overweight, which there's very clear discrimination against people who are overweight. Like it's not anyone who argues against that is is they're they're letting their bias get in the way. They're, they're very short-sighted. They're not seeing the truth. Like clearly people who are overweight, you take two people, same qualifications, someone who's overweight, they go into a, a job and the person who is at a healthier body weight is more likely to get the job. Someone who like, and just in general in society, like there's more accessibility to people who are a healthier body weight, which I mean, that's just how it is. And it sucks. And like, I don't like that, but that's how it is. And the reality is there's discrimination in all aspects of society there's like there's every in every way shape and form you can always find somewhere someone is going to be victimized um which sucks but that's also just how life works unfortunately um 
so I like that the health at every size movement seem to start and come from a place of, Hey, let's try and make this more inclusive. I think it's a really, it's a well-intentioned good movement. The issue with how it's being misrepresented now though, is basically turning into, it's going to that extreme end of the pendulum swing where they're saying essentially that there is no negative health consequence at all from being overweight, morbidly obese. Now to the point where they're saying the word obese is an actual slur and no one should say it and that it's a derogatory term, which is outrageous. No, it's not. But they're saying there's no negative health consequences of being morbidly obese and that all of the research showing there is is clearly flawed and biased and um, and uh, it's it's rooted in in patriarchal society and it's rooted in, in misogyny and it's rooted in sexism and it's rooted, it's rooted in all, all of this stuff that they're really just trying to dig deep to try and find this victimized mindset for. And the reality is, listen, I agree there, we should try and eliminate discrimination based on size, but that doesn't change the fact that there are outrageously dangerous health consequences from people being morbidly obese and trying to, and sort of trying to promote the idea that, being obese is actually healthy and that you can be healthy at an obese weight is it's dangerous and it's going to lead to a lot of negative consequences in the long run. Yeah, it's, it really has, like you say, it's gone too far. And, you know, we as coaches as well, especially for us guys who work with, work with a lot of people, how much kind of impact we have seen living a healthy lifestyle, exercising, controlling nutritional intake, people losing weight, the, the impacts that it can not only have on the physical health, but the mental health as well has been, we've seen a lot of people just respond so well to that and actually change their lives. Cause we're actually working with these people so we can see it. And it's kind of coming from these individuals now, I think where it's become more like a trend. So you're getting people jumping on this bandwagon just to kind of, they're doing it, whether, I don't know, whether it's their own business sucks or stuff with the social media or whatever products they're selling. But once upon a time, they used to probably be in the diet culture. Now, all of a sudden, they feel like it's dried up. So they, they're talking about health at every size and playing into people's insecurities and vulnerabilities and going, like we said, really extreme where it is potentially dangerous. And it's a lot of people, have, I believe, anyway, they're kind of they're differentiating physical health and mental health, putting them so far apart when, let's face it, they need to just be in the middle. Like one of them is not more important than the other. A hundred percent. I couldn't agree more. I, I love, love, love that you said that. I could not agree more. I think, uh, I, I, and again, I, I, what I will say is I think it stemmed from a good place. I think it still does stem from a good place in that they, they don't want people to be discriminated against or because of because of their size. I I love that. I think it's great. I think it's coming from a good place. But I also have to we, we have to be objective with it and say they actually they say a number of things. One one of the most common common data points they'll throw out, they'll be like in order to support their their way of thinking around saying that, you know, you shouldn't you shouldn't try and lose weight. They'll say, "Well, 95% of diets don't work." Right. And they'll cite they'll cite research saying, well, 95 percent of diets don't work. So you shouldn't diet, which is basically encouraging you to stay the same weight. There's no reason to try and change your weight because you can be healthy at the weight that you're at. And there's actually no reason to try and lose weight because 95 percent of diets don't work. And that data point is outrageously flawed. And basically from the perspective of they're, they're looking, they're, they're not looking at well-designed diets. They're not looking at well-designed nutrition protocols. They're not looking at holistic mental side of things and fitness side of things and nutrition side of things. They're only looking at things, for example, that are very short-term, very quick fixes that are really shitty diets that people are trying to do for the quick fix. It's like, but if you actually work with somebody or use a, a certain type of eating protocol that is specifically designed to help build a healthier relationship with food, you're going to find that far more than, than, than 5% succeed far, far more. And not only that they succeed, that they last long-term and that people get healthier, not just from, um, from a physical perspective, like aside from their blood work and their bone density and, and their metabolic, their metabolic markers, but also mentally. And also from a, a self-efficacy perspective, from a self-confidence perspective, from the ability to like to actually 
be a, a, a confident individual who believes in their, who believes in themselves to take risks and take chances and not necessarily be so worried and insecure that they can't make moves in society. Like a lot of this is built on the foundation of blaming society and blaming, blaming the powers that, that powers that be everything above us rather than necessarily, okay, well, what can we do as individuals to better ourselves? And I think the more that we can take personal responsibility and actually like, put it on ourselves to make these personal changes, the, the better everyone and the better society will be. Yeah. Like you, like you said before about the diet situation, it's with people saying, Oh yeah, 95% of diets don't work. And it's usually the, what diet they've tried that doesn't work. It's not, it's kind of tarnishing the word diet with one brush, right? We, we know for well, we can give someone a, a you know, a diet is such a broad term, right? Like some, such a body's, most people have got a current diet. We've all on a diet right now. It's just the case of people label it. People might do extreme things. You know, you could go on a diet of eating celery sticks. You could be on a, a current diet of your current nutrition that you're currently on and make changes to that diet. And people look at it and say 95% of diets fail. And we get that. And we agree that, yes, these fad diets, these yo-yo diets, these products people are pushing on social media – a complete bullshit and we don't agree with that neither as fitness professionals but at the same time don't stigmatize diets that we have used with our clients and interventions and strategies that have worked so well to improve all aspects of the life well it's interesting you you bring up a really good point that the word diet literally just means what you eat that's it exactly yeah the, the, the word diet the definition is literally just what you eat on a habitual basis and a lot of what they say is and this is actually I think this is one of the I've publicly asked people who in this movement to essentially have a debate with me publicly and, and no one has accepted thus far. But the word diet just means what you eat. And for example, when they say 95% of diets fail, what they fail to realize is that people can go on diets to gain weight. People can go on diets to help improve an allergy. People can go on diets to help improve their blood markers. Diets don't inherently mean fat loss or weight loss. That's not the inherent connotation. And so when they say 95% of diets fail, they're really misrepresenting the word diet and they're using it to sort of create fear around this idea that, that number one, diets don't work, which that's in and of itself a non sequitur. It doesn't really make sense. It's illogical because that's like saying what you're eating doesn't work. And number two is there's many more ways to diet outside of simply losing weight. So, they're massively misrepresenting it solely to try and make their point seem more clear and to try and get people to come to their side, which is, it's just, it's illogical. And it's, it's, again, it's, it's very, very, it's a dangerous way of thinking because they're promoting people to, and they're, they're actively encouraging people to often not only not lose weight, but to often not change anything in their lifestyle, but to just keep doing what they're doing, which is, it, it's one, one of the things I've, I've seen um, obese to beast. I don't know if you know him on, on YouTube. Um, one of the things that he said that it's, it's very interesting. He said, you see a lot of people who are 80 years old and you also see a lot of people who are very, very overweight, but you don't see a lot of people who are very, very overweight at 80 years old. And it's just like, it's a, mm. it's true. You don't see a lot of people who are very, very overweight living that long. And that's just, that's more of an anecdotal, just observational based, based uh, account. But if you look in the research, there's no question that people who are massively overweight and morbidly obese and have these health, have these health issues that you don't see them living that long there. You just yeah, don't. Yeah. And there's a, it, to, to try and create this idea that, that it's even remotely safe to stay there it's you're creating a very dangerous precedent to to base your your ideas off of and to present them publicly it's like in 20 30 40 years as more research comes out i don't think i'd want to be on that side of the the argument no 100 percent. and i think it's yeah it's it's crazy isn't it I, I i genuinely can't believe it's happening for for a start it's it's kind of like you said before like people are now kind of saying the word you can't say the word obesity and it's like 
come on, man, like this, this is serious. This is, is associated with lots of health risks. We know that. And people wouldn't say the same thing when it was like cancer. They wouldn't say, oh, you can't say cancer. Oh, you've got cancer. Don't do anything about it. If you can do something about it, that is. And it's just crazy that people are now labeling obesity like that and the dangers it's going to create for a lot, a lot of people. And, and a lot of the, the health at every size movement now. And what really, really like baffles me personally is that obviously you've got a lot of people in the health at every size movement who, who are overweight individuals and they may be, like I said, be happy with your body. I, I get it all the, you know, like love the way you are. I also get it. I love it when people don't give a shit how they look. I really do. But at the same time, when it's coming down to health issues, physically, mentally, like I said before, then we need to kind of help those people. And because that's our job is to help people. And we've seen so many people come to us for help. But what I'm seeing now is these people may have been doing the wrong things for many years. And I get that they're frustrated, they're angry with the whole dieting culture. And like we mentioned before, we get that. The, the fitness industry and the diet industry is pretty messed up. A lot of it stems from one without question the the fitness industry being pretty screwed up i do think that it's gotten outrageously better and and the easiest way to see that is if you look at like um for example the kardashians who are promoting a lot of these fit teas and these like tummy teas and all this stuff if you look at when they're promoting these like outrageous supplements that don't do anything that are are far more harmful than helpful um if you look in the comment section there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people being like, this is bullshit. Why are you doing this? This is terrible. There, there's not people being like, oh, my God, wow, like, does this work for you? Like, I'm going to buy it. Like, it, that's not what's happening. And, and we can see yeah. that through education, through social media, people are becoming much more educated consumers. And it's, it's far better than it's ever been right now. It's the best it's ever been. I think a lot of what the Health at Every Size movement stems from is – preying on people's insecurities and it's preying on their their essentially when they say 95 percent of diets failed and they say it's not your fault it's society's fault what they do is they give people an out they give people an opportunity to say oh well it's not my fault that i failed at it it's not my fault that i haven't been able to do it. it it's society's fault it's the industry's fault it's diet culture's fault and so I shouldn't even bother trying to do it because, well, I just can't anyway. It's, it's, not, it's not in the cards for me, and it's not even my fault for it. It's like what a, what a defeatist mentality and a very dangerous way to push things on people. It's like, number one, let's, let's just say even though it's not 95% of diets fail, but let's just say – let's say that's true. Let's say 95% of diets fail. Are you okay telling people not to try when they could be that 5%? Like when they could very well be, if, I mean, how, if you have what, like a hundred thousand people trying a diet, are you okay with saying that 5% of that 100,000 just is completely eliminating it? If that 5% could massively improve their health. It's like, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. Like I would way rather at least 5% improve than none at all. And, and I think what they're doing is they're giving people an opportunity just to not try at all. And they're, they're making it okay. They're giving them an opportunity to say, you know what, it's okay not to try because it's not your fault. And, and it's a very, very dangerous and, and it's an unfortunate place to go because you're taking people's – you're actually taking people's power away from them as individuals, which is almost the opposite of what they say. Like we're giving you the power. Like we're giving you more power to be yourself. It's like, no, you're not. You're telling people that they can't succeed in something that they want to try. And not only that, you're telling them they can't succeed and it's not that their fault that they can't succeed. It's society's fault they can't succeed. It's like, what a very scary place to live. Can you imagine living in the mindset of being like, you can't succeed because society isn't allowing you to succeed? It's like, that's not true. That's absolutely not true. You are strong. You are powerful. You can succeed. It's not not saying it's going to be easy. Not saying it's going to be all butterflies and unicorns and rainbows. There's going to be struggles, but we all struggle in order to achieve a certain goal, especially if you're starting out from very far on one end, it's going to be difficult, but you can do it. And if you look at the research on self-efficacy in terms of people's belief in their own ability to succeed, if you tell people that they are not able to succeed for whatever reason, 
then they are far less likely to succeed. But if you tell people that they are able to succeed and they can do it no matter what, they are far more likely to succeed. And what this Health at Every Size movement is doing is saying, no, you can't do it and it's not your fault. So what happens? They won't be able to do it and they'll believe it's not their fault. But if you tell them they can do it and it's their responsibility to do it and they actually have the ability to do it, they're far more likely to. And then what happens when they do? They're much happier. They're much healthier. And they're glad they pushed through the difficulties because on the other end, they're healthier. They're healthier. They're able to function better. They're more confident. It's like th what they're doing is they're trying to, to prevent people from being from getting their feelings hurt. And in the process of trying to prevent people from getting their feelings hurt, they're actually probably pushing people to die earlier and be very unhealthy and unhappy. Yeah, and it's a byproduct of, of that, that. You know, their message is like we said before that it's it's something that we agree with. You know, like as, as in to some extent, we we actually agree with the the, the movement as such. However, like I said, with every movement, there comes an extreme. So I think, like you said, there it's um, you are literally being so focused on how they mentally feel, but as a byproduct of that and a backlash of that, will be their physical health will suffer. And then as a byproduct of that, that's when their mental health will also suffer. So it's kind of like a double-barreled shotgun at the end if they do listen to these extreme people, I believe. Of course, of course. And like when, when you try and protect people from getting their feelings hurt and sort of just essentially remove the stimulus that might be causing their – or not even remove it, but try and block it out. For example, the word obesity. This is the perfect example. They'll say, no, the word obesity is bad. Don't say the word obesity. And so, and you'll see even now, like people, instead of writing the word obesity, they'll put the asterisk where the B is. So it's not actually written. It's like when That's you try, crazy. It, when you try and control how people speak and you try and control essentially the environment, then inevitably you're putting yourself at a disadvantage because you can't control the environment. You can't control how people speak. You will, without question, be put in a situation in which someone will say something or do something in which you can't control it. And when you are put in that situation and you haven't learned how to deal with it, you are, you're more likely to get anxiety. You're more likely to be, quote, unquote, triggered by it. You're, and there's a lot of research out coming, coming out now about trigger warnings and how they don't actually work. So, for example, if someone does writes obesity but with the asterisk instead of the B, it has the same effect on the person as if they just wrote the word itself. It doesn't – like that asterisk doesn't take it away. It doesn't – oh, well, I don't know what they're actually trying to say here. It's like, of course you know what you're trying to say. And it has no effect and oftentimes a worse effect. So when you try and con control the environment, you end up putting yourself at a massive disadvantage. But when you control yourself – when you can control how you respond and how you react and you stop trying to to impose these rules and regulations on society and start imposing more self-confidence and more resiliency within the individual, then anything can happen in the environment and it doesn't affect you. That that's you ask any clinical psychologist how they would help help work with someone who has anxiety in a situation or has issues in a certain situation the answer is not to remove the situation the answer is to slowly and progressively expose them to it it's called exposure therapy this is not new science this is what's been around for years and years and years you expose them to it you get them to be comfortable in that situation so that when it is presented in society they're resilient and they don't overreact to it that's what we have to be doing yeah, you don't want to kind of just uh, turn a blind eye to it. The uh, I do, you know, like we, we mentioned there, you touched on environment and lifestyle. We know a lot of these factors need to be look, look into when it comes to drivers for obesity. But instead of kind of trying to change all them things, it's about educating people around those things, giving them solutions. But like you said, ultimately not kind of shying away from them, give them tools that they can actually implement in their lifestyle in their environment understanding all these social cultural factors where you've got advertising boards showing a big mac and things like that and teach them more about nutrition and all aspects to do with weight loss whatever that may be to help them kind of understand it a little bit more rather than thinking it's just everyone's out for them essentially and i think that's kind of the point that you was kind of making there and i'm sure you've seen it yourself how many clients have you actually worked with who were shit scared of turning up to the gym at first and they're so uncomfortable in that environment 
However, it is the, until they start exposing themselves more and more to that environment, they start to become so confident because they've actually faced it head on and tackled something that in the past was such a worry for them. And these people telling people, don't exercise you healthy as you are, they're never going to overcome that barrier, right? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's actually interesting. If you look at the data, this is it, when you were talking about the gym and people going in the gym, it sort of sparked my memory of this. Um, at least in the U.S., 90, about 95% of gyms that open fail in the first year. About 90 to 95%. And it's, it's always been interesting to me. I'm like, when they say 95% of diets fail, so you just don't even try. I'm like, okay, well, 95% of gyms fail in the first year. If every gym owner followed your advice based on sim- the simple logic that 95% fail, then there would be no gyms because no one would be willing to open a gym because they're for the fear of failure. So are you going to let the fear of failure prevent you from trying and changing your life and Im- improving your not only your, your physical health, but your mental health, your emotional health, your spiritual health? allow you to live longer and healthier and more confidently? Are you going to allow like that chance of failure to prevent you from actually trying? Because if if you are, that's a very sad life to live because your entire life you'll have lived knowing that you didn't try out of a fear of failure rather than living your life knowing that, well, at least you kept trying and at least you kept putting in work and at least you kept doing what you could to improve rather than just saying, oh, well, I can't do it. 95% of people don't do it. So why even bother? Yeah, I, th- I think when you when you said before, Jordan, about the fitness industry getting better, I, I completely agree. And I think, you know, people like yourself, you know, got a, a big following on social media and pushing this message across. I really do think it is so beneficial for people and giving them this powerful message that we're speaking about today to ultimately drive more and more people into action, lead them to the right people fundamentally because so many people have tried and failed and failed again but it's until they find whether it's the right coach the right bit of you know the right accountability partner in whatever they're trying to attempt to do with the health and fitness until they find that and hopefully with our education we put out there on social media or whatever it may be through this podcast more and more people I'm hoping in the next five years ten years that this education will be a lot more solid and it will hopefully help a lot more people become less frustrated, more understand what they need to do. And ultimately they can live this healthier lifestyle that they probably do deep down want to, want to attempt, but they're just so confused, especially now with so many people pulling at the strings and they don't know who to believe. And I think it's really important for, for us to keep pushing this type of stuff. A hundred percent, man. I, I very, very, very much agree. And it will. It will continue to get better. There's no question about it. And and what I would say is, I would say is, for for anyone who's like, well, I, I, I don't know if I can succeed. I've tried so many times. Go read the success stories of people who have lost a lot of weight. They're, they're very available. They're available on the internet. They're available on Instagram. They're available on Facebook. They're available everywhere. Like, you can see it everywhere you go. Like, there's a lot. And if you read their stories or listen to their stories on YouTube, whatever it is, not one person will say, oh, yeah, it was easy. Not one person. Every single person will tell you, listen, I never thought that I would be the person to lose 100 plus pounds and and be a success story. I never thought that I could do that until I did it. They all like I never thought that I could be the person that would actually change my life to the point that I would that I would be able to say that you know I did it most most people or literally all of it not a single person that I've ever found has ever been like oh yeah yeah like this was easy it's not it's not easy and I think that that's part of one of the things that we can improve within the fitness industry is telling people stop creating this false false reality this false idea that it's easy and that it's okay like when you're losing fat like you're going to get hungry when you're trying to better yourself and improve yourself and go to the gym and work out and improve your diet, it's going to be difficult. And there will be times when you mess up and there will be times when you go off track and there'll be times when it's not easy, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it. And it doesn't mean you can't do it. And the more we continue to spread that message, the better it will be. 
Yeah, totally. Like the the education is out there as well. I think not just in terms of like you said before, people putting out these fad products and promoting all this rubbish and the backlash that they receive, which is which is really good to see. The education I think is there more than ever to help people understand and learn more about what they need to do to lose weight, build muscle, whatever, improve sports performance. It's there. And I think it's up to us as kind of in the fitness industry to help kind of guide people to them resources, give them the solutions that they've been looking for within their life as well to actually hopefully drive, drive this change and drive, stop all these arguments. Cause I genuinely feel sorry for, for these everyday people, you know, the, I do feel sorry for these overweight um, individuals in the world right now because this, they still don't know where, who to believe. I, I, I genuinely believe they're so confused, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's there's so much information out there. It, it's And there's so much, not just so much information, there's so much contradictory information that it's it's next to impossible just to know very simply and quickly and easily what's right or what's wrong. And that's why I do my best to sort of like I've I've never been the kind of person to be like, well, this is the only way. Well, intermittent fasting is the only way or paleo is the only way or keto is the only way. And for me, like my my most important message that I can give is you have to find what works best for you. And the hard part about that is in order to find what works best for you, you have to try a lot of things. The the catch 22 with that is that in order you can't just try a lot of random things very very quickly you have to try things and give them enough time to actually see how they work with you so if you try keto you can't just try keto for a week or two weeks if you try paleo you can't just try paleo for a week or two weeks if you try calorie counting you can't just try that for a week or two weeks like yeah i try and give each one at least 90 days and on top of that you also have to really understand the principles for what drives fat loss, for what drives progress. And that's one of the reasons why I talk about calorie counting so much. I don't think you have to calorie count to lose fat. But regardless of whether you're counting your calories or not, your calories always count, regardless of where they're coming from, which is why I always preach the importance of understanding how much energy you're putting in your body, how many calories you're putting in your body. Whether or not you decide to count them is that's up to you. I think spending some time counting them can be very beneficial just so you have more knowledge of what you're putting in your body. But what you have to do is you have to find what works for you. And that's the process that is most difficult for people is the process of doing something consistently enough for long enough to be able to understand whether or not it's actually a good fit for them. Yeah. And understanding, like you said, the principles behind fat loss and giving people the, you know, understanding that is principle, you know, but there's so many methods out there, like you just said, intermittent fasting, keto, paleo, like whatever it may be, there's so many like thrown in people's faces, but until people understand the the actual science behind it and how fat loss occurs, they're still going to be confused with what actually works and think like weight loss is one big mystery to them until they actually understand the actual process. And then when they do, they can create their own diet that works for them and I had so many people saying to me, or oh, intermittent fasting, I've heard that's good from somebody at work. And I'm like, but, you know, if you really enjoy having breakfast in the morning, sitting down with your husband or wife, and you watch some morning television and have a coffee and eat breakfast, and that's a really, really kind of happy part of your day, why the hell would you want to take it away? And why the hell would I want to take it away from your lifestyle, your diet currently, we don't need to do that to get you where you want to be. And I think people don't understand that. Uh, I mean, I agree, man. And I love that you said that. I think that I think what happens is a lot of people will hear so like for in the intermittent fasting example, someone will hear someone say, well, you know, if you skip breakfast in the morning, then your body's going to be in more of a parasympathetic state and you're going to be burning more fat and da, 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 da. And so then all of a sudden in their mind, they'll think, Oh, progress is going to come faster if I don't eat breakfast. So, because that's going to happen, I'm willing to skip this breakfast out with my, my husband or my wife or my kids just so I can make this progress faster. And, and unfortunately, the answer is the only way they'll know is if they try it, right? Like they're going to have to go through a trial and error process in order for them to really know. And that's, that's the mastery process in anything in life. 
fitness, nutrition, strength training, business, entrepreneurship, any skill that you want to improve at, you have to go through a trial and error process. And it's, it's one of the reasons why if someone says to me like, hey, you know what, I, I want to try intermittent fasting. Uh, and I'm like, okay, like, are you okay giving up breakfast with your family or whatever? And they're like, they're like, uh, they're like, yeah, 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 I'm okay with it. Even though I can tell there's hesitation. I'll be like, how about this? How about we try it for 30 days? If at the end of 30 days, you're stoked with your progress and you love it and it's worth it for you to give up breakfast with your family, then great. Then you can stick with it. But if at the end of 30 days, you're like, you know what? Like, it's really not worth it. Then we can go back. And that's sort of my way as a coach of allowing people to go through this trial and error process with a little bit more structure to it and to see if, is it actually worth it or not? And, uh, and I think that's, that's unfortunately the only way people will learn is through really trying things. And I think the sexier marketable answer would be like to try in some way to get people to know without actually having to try, but that's just not how things work. The only way you know is through trying and consistently trying and consistently trying and putting an effort, even and especially when you don't think it's working and when you don't want to do it. And through time and through process, eventually you'll figure out what works best for you. But it takes a long time. And that's that's true for everything and everyone in every aspect of society. No, yeah, I couldn't, uh, couldn't agree more. It's kind of, yeah, you just find that tool with what works with the client. And that's something that I... I'm big on them, but that's why it's so important, isn't it, to look into um, somebody's lifestyle and look at their situation, look at even their culture and things like that to just delve deep. I did a podcast a few weeks ago um, speaking about culture and things and how important that is. And, you know, it's like me telling uh, an Italian man, <laughs> I want you to never eat pasta and never eat pizza, never eat bread ever again. It's like, what the fuck? He's never going to do that because it's something that's been part of his culture habitually for many years. These food behaviors, they just don't go away. So that's why it's so important to look at the individual, isn't it, when it comes to nutritional design and diet in general? Yeah, of course, the individual, their needs, their preferences, all that. It's like, and that's why, like you were saying, like you have to focus on the principles first, because when you understand the principles, you can manipulate all of the all of everything else and it's and figure out how to structure it in a way that works best for you. But when you try and when you don't understand the principles and you're only trying to understand like the the small little iterations, the, the little things that that most people focus on the methods rather than the principles. But when you understand the principles first, you can manipulate the methods in any way you want. Yeah, totally. I think what would be a good point to go off now, uh, Jordan, with talking about principles and methods with nutrition is uh, you recently did a funny video on social media where you went into a health store to kind of, you know, video somebody selling you a load of bullshit. And it was hilarious. And I think a lot of my listeners will get a lot from that. And it kind of leads on to the principle and method type of things when people are going into these health stores and they're all over the UK as well, where people are selling these fat burning supplements. That's all they say. They're selling all the skinny coffee, the skinny teas. And it would be, it would be funny to get your take on it because I know that you're big against that and you have some funny, funny videos giving people shit for selling it and doing it. Yeah, I mean, basically, I just I went into it was a long day of filming. <laughs> we went into <laughs> a, a bunch of different like GNCs and vitamin shops, and uh, my my buddy Rico had the camera, and he was had to hold it and tried to pretend like he wasn't actually holding a camera, um, and basically just went in and I pretended to be this this guy from New Jersey with a New Jersey action, like what's going on, dude? How are you? Looking for some fucking fat burners and. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um and basically just trying to understand like get them to like hear their sales pitch hear what they say and i would ask them specific questions to see like what their response would be uh like for like it basically how like does this take the toxins out of my body and then and then I'd, they'd be like yeah of course and i'd be like okay so what which toxins does it remove like what are the names of them and they'd be like oh uh, like they they wouldn't know the answer because like it's bullshit or they'd be like yeah you know detoxing is the first step to fat loss and then i don't know why like it, it was hilarious in the video but they're like yeah this one guy was like detoxing the first step to fat loss and i was like oh fuck <laughs> like i didn't know and uh it's just it's basically me talking to salespeople 
who have, don't have any education or background in nutrition or anything. They're and to to be forthright, it's not their fault. I should say I don't think it's it's their fault. They're mainly just doing their job that that they're trying in terms of like they're 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 young kids at a at a vitamin shop or GNC just trying to do their job. The the real issue is the overarching company, the GNC, the vitamin shop, the people who are who are not giving them the education and then who are also trying to peddle and sell these ridiculous supplements. But in order to actually make people aware of the larger company, you have to go into the stores that are representing them, the stores that are selling the stuff and, and show them how ridiculous this actually is because you can't just go into a GNC headquarters and then just talk to the people behind the counter. Like that doesn't really work. So you go to where they're actually selling it, show people what it actually looks like how little the people selling it actually know. And then from there, like, hopefully it, it starts to sink in with people. Did you get a lot of um, backlash from that, Jordan? Like, in terms of not backlash from people like myself and anyone else, but did you, did you, did the company or anything else try and like sue you for that? Uh, thank God. Not yet. Um, <laughs> not yet. Um, the, the vast, the vast, I'd say 90, 98% of, of the response was very positive and appreciative. There were a couple people who were like, oh, come on, it's it's not their fault. They're just, you know, the kids trying to sell it. And in some senses, I agree, which is like, I agree. It's just, it's kids who are working a, a, a low paying hourly job that are just trying to, to make money. And, and that's fine. I get that. But my response to them was, listen, like they were like, you should have gone to the headquarters of GNC. I'm like, how in the fuck am I supposed to go into the headquarters of GNC? Like that's, that's the point isn't to go into the headquarters. The point is to show people what they're doing on a daily basis. Walk into a place that people are familiar with, go into the actual store that people walk into, walk to the sales rep that they're going to be interacting with and show them that they don't actually know what they're talking about. And, you know, I didn't, I blurred out all their faces. I didn't use their names. Like didn't even use their real voices, just like voiced over it. So like no one could possibly know it was them. And uh, I think it's important to do things that are very relatable and put things in perspective in a way that people can understand what it's like in their daily life so that when they go out, they can sort of see, they can sort of replicate it on their own. That's, that's what education is. That's really all it is. It's the yeah, way sometimes I, you've got to be cruel to be kind, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it wasn't even cruel. It was mostly just like, yeah. it, it was literally just, it's education with humor. And that's really, that's yeah, all I yeah. do. And, and no matter what, no matter what you do, there are going to be people who like you and people who don't. And, and that's just the reality of everything. I, one of my favorite quotes is, <laughs> you, could, you could be the most perfect tangerine in the world. You could be the, the most perfect, tasty, juicy tangerine that's ever lived. But there's still going to be some people who don't like tangerines. And like, that's just that's just life. There's either always gonna be people who, who don't like you or who, who don't agree with you who are always going to find a reason to argue with you or d- disagree, whatever it is. So, I mean, that's just that's just life. So you sort of just got to run with it and do what you can do regardless. No, it's, I, I couldn't agree more with you. Like, yeah, the, these, you know, yes, it's not the fault of you selling it, of course not. But that wasn't your message, was it? It was just in general like these health stores selling you loads of shit products that is ultimately what it was it wasn't that's exactly a personal, right. a, it wasn't a personal attack on the kid selling them like like you say it's not their fault they've probably been told to say all this from above with some form of script but of yeah exactly and you're not going to go into the gnc headquarters because they're going to act all nicey nicey and all professional professional where you wouldn't get anything from it it's, you only went to the root of the problem because that for me was so it's so, so impactful because, like, I look at it and think, my mum, that could have been my mum. You could have been my mum going into that store. That's exactly and getting right. sold a load of bullshit, and that offends me. So I, I fair play to you, mate. I thought that was that's the exactly the way it needs to go to hopefully get more and more people believing it and showing that it does happen, and then showing the science behind why it's not true with half of the things that we say. Yeah. And, and if a lot of people see that video, which they have, like hundreds of thousands of people have seen that video. If a lot of people see that video and then they end up deciding not to go and buy those supplements because of that video. And then all of a sudden GNC Vitamin Shop isn't making a profit on those supplements because of that video, then they're not going to be selling them anymore. 
they're not going to stock their shelves with them if they're not making money. That's their entire, their entire decision-making process is based off of profit. If they're not making profit, they're not going to, they're not going to pay for them. They're not going to stock them on their shelves. So I could go into a GNC headquarter if I wanted to and try and talk with this, with like a, a, I don't like a, a, like a sales rep or whatever it is, or someone who's in like the, the marketing department, but that wouldn't change anything. No one looking at that would understand what's actually going on. There's no relatability. If you go into the actual store and you hear what the sales reps are saying, and then you can hear it from almost like a a watcher's perspective rather than being in the moment, because it's very easy for someone to say something to you while you're there and you almost just take it at face value. But when you watch it through the screen and hear what they're saying, you can almost look at it from more of an objective perspective and you'd be like, oh my God, that's fucking ridiculous. And not only that, but it's not just one store. It's like 10 stores. And seeing 10 different stores, 10 different people say 10 different things at the same, like the same brand store. It's like, what is going on? You're getting 10 of the, of the same exact type of store with 10 different sales reps on the same exact day saying 10 different things about the same exact product. That doesn't bode well for the company. And so when you can see that, that's like, oh, wow, like this is really a waste of money. I shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, definitely. And um, with what you're trying to get across, you still obviously get the small percentage of people who will say, oh, why are you calling them out? Why are you being so negative? <laughs> exactly. And it's just like, you're just, a lot of people are just so blinded by it. And because we work in this industry and we work with a lot of people, we see it firsthand how people are so confused. They've got such a poor relationship with food. They've been trying for many years to lose weight, whatever their goal is. We've seen people's emotions to the process. So it's going to get our back up a little bit when we see all these products pushed on people that we know full well won't help them and just makes the problem worse. So we're going to get pissed off about it. A hundred percent. That's exactly right. And it's funny, like there, there's one guy on Twitter who was like, oh man, you should have went into like GNC headquarters, not to the stores. And I was like, I'll tell you what, you go into GNC headquarters and you make your own video. And I'm very excited to see it. I was like, it's like everyone's so quick to hate and give their own recommendation, their own two cents on other people. Like they have no idea how much time and effort it takes to make, to put into making content. I'm like, okay, cool. You go to GNC headquarters, you make your own video. I can't wait to see what happens. It's like, go do it then. Rather than like telling someone else, why don't you go do it? Yeah. You you always get that. I've, I've done videos in the past about stuff and you'll get the odd person saying that you're being negative and it's just like, what you just can't rationalize with some people, can you? Yeah, yeah, it can be the most. Are you are you jealous? Life. Are you <laughs> jealous? That's the worst one, right? And I think that's that's that will lead me on nicely just to the last topic before um, we jump off this call, Jordan. Is kind of like I know that you do a lot of videos as well and content on kind of seen the one the other day where you put your wig on and stuff like that, <laughs> uh, <laughs> taking taking the piss out of these so-called fit spoles. And this is something that really winds me up with a lot of people in this industry. And these people who do have millions and millions of followers and they just push in, whether it's shitty training programs, shitty nutrition plans on people and, you know, hashtag, hashtag motivation Monday. And when I've got my back up about this, you get the odd person saying, oh, well, you're just jealous. And I'm like, I'm genuinely not. I'm genuinely not jealous. I couldn't give a shit about the following, how much money they have. The message that they're sharing is just so bullshit and it's driving a lot of people, including young lads especially, who aspire to look like certain people, by the way. This is not just kind of weight loss. It's it's people like myself when I was younger who would look at all these people who are absolute look like Greek gods buying their training programs and buying their diet plans off them when, let's face it again deep down it's not getting to the root of this problem and it's not really giving people solutions to change it's just wasting the money and wasting the time and they're two important things that i'm sure we can both agree on that are really important yeah man i I couldn't agree more you know it's (laughs) it's 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 a crazy world i i do think and like we said at the beginning, social media, I think, is it's an incredible, incredible thing. And the net positive is far greater than any negative that comes with it. And we can see just by how, just the fact that you and I are on the phone and having this conversation and people can listen to it and educate themselves. Like, and the fact that there's way more educated consumers now than there's ever been in the world. Like, I mean, you can look at advertisements from 
10, 15, 20 years ago, those advertisements wouldn't work nowadays because people can smell the bullshit in them. And so like, that's why the best, that's why right now influencers are the best way of selling things. Like these fitspos are the best way of selling things rather than traditional advertisements because a lot like sales now are built on trust and built on a person and relatability rather than necessarily really good sales copy or good writing or fancy music or, or graphs on the screen. It's, it's more based about building trust with the individual selling it. And that's where the danger of this, this fitspo can sort of come in where it's like you have these people who are just people just out there and posting and, and they create a really good, strong bond with their followers and they start selling stuff that isn't based in science. It's not actually effective. It doesn't work. They're just doing it more because they have an audience who's ready and willing to buy from them. And so that's when the issues can, can really come from that, which is, and again, like I wish there was a way that I could say something that would make everyone know immediately what was right, what was wrong, what was good, what was bad, what you should buy, what you shouldn't buy, but there's no way to do it other than to again go through trial and error and the only way that you're going to become a a really educated consumer is through first unfortunately probably spending money on shit that you shouldn't have spent money on and like really yeah, yeah. through that process that like okay like you know what now i've bought four things from different influencers that didn't work two of them gave me diarrhea like whatever, like, obviously I probably shouldn't do this anymore. And then you can start to become more of an educated consumer, but education comes with practice and comes with experience and, and you could hear it all you want, but it's not going to really sink in until you experience it. And so I think that's why these conversations are really important. And the posts and everything is important because they serve as a great backbone to, to what we're talking about, but nothing, nothing, nothing will hit home like actual personal experience and so so maybe someone listening to this has already bought a couple things from an influencer maybe someone has has been thinking about it or whatever and then they hear this and like you know what like they're right like i've done it enough I, it, it's been too much and like this might be the or maybe they they hear this and then they do it one more time realize it didn't work and then they remember this conversation they're like oh yeah you know what like that's it i've had enough of it and it's sort of, it all works together it all it's all part of a greater system as a whole and I don't think there's any one single solution, but I do think the most important thing is, is personal experience and practice. And then the other thing is, is consuming the right content and educating yourself that way. So I think it all plays into each other. Yeah, definitely. It's, um, it, like you say, it is trial and error, isn't it? For a lot of people, they, they, like I said before, they've tried, they've tried again, they failed. And you mentioned then about like if one person listens to this, then hopefully they're not one of them people that go to one of these health stores and gets buys into all the rubbish that they're being told or buys something from an influencer online who's not necessarily qualified in what they're selling or even that just because they've got a great physique as well that's another that's obviously a massive one now and if i can help one person at least not waste the money or at least go to guide them to an educational resource that's going to provide them with really valuable bits of information that for me is my job done. And that's why it's great to get people on like, like yourself as well to help spread this message and make it more kind of available to more and more people. So yeah, they don't get caught up in this crazy, crazy industry that we both work in and do love by the way. <laughs> yeah, man. Th thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This was great. No, Jordan, this was a great chat. Obviously we could have gone on all day with the things that I'm sure we could talk about and, I'm sure um, down the line, it'd be great to get you on again to talk about something really specific. Um, but I thought it'd be fantastic just to get you on and have a general ramblings about the industry and what's going down right now and keep up with the latest trends about what's going on to hopefully, like you said, educate more and more people. A hundred percent, man. This was great. I appreciate it. I'd be happy to come on again. And thank you so much. I appreciate it a lot. No worries, John. Just before we shoot, John, do you want to just give the listeners a heads up on where they can find you? Because I'm sure they'll get, a, if they're not following you already, I know you've got tons of followers. I'm sure a lot of them do follow you. But if they don't, then what's your what's your Instagram page and what, what website can they find you on and get more information? Because your content that you put out is really, really, really good. Thank you, man. Yeah, so my podcast is the Jordan Syatt Mini Podcast. Um, I, my Instagram is Jordan or Syatt Fitness. Uh, YouTube is Jordan Syatt. So, and if you ever want to 
find my website, just Google Syatt Fitness, S-Y-A-T-T Fitness. It'll come right up. Awesome. Thank you very much, Jordan, and have a good day, mate, and I'll speak to you soon. Thank you, man. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Fat Fix podcast, and I hope you all enjoyed today's show. If you have not already, please make sure you subscribe and you don't miss out on any future episodes. I also can't stress enough how much it means to me, to those that have left me a star rating and written review on iTunes. This will ultimately help me reach more people like you and really help them too. So please give me two minutes of your time to do this if you haven't already. Lastly, any shares and mentions on social media is also massively appreciated. I will see you very soon for the next episode. Thank you very much.